Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we discuss the cancelled European games and ask what next for the competition. We get a Saracens perspective on our new scrum half and talk about Bristol's international call-ups for the Six Nations. We also look ahead to the big local derby with them locked down the A4 with our friends from the Bath Plug podcast. Who will be drinking the Thatchers after the final whistle at the gate on Friday? Will it be us or will it be them? All this and more in this week's show. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, after our little break uh, by enforced on us by the uh, cancellation of the European Games, it's great to uh, speak to you all again. Uh, Pete, let me come to you first. Um, uh, it's nice I can see you there, uh, sat comfortably in your house, but you were threatening to uh, do this podcast from a uh, from a hot tub. Uh, what what what's going on there? Well, it is true, Tony. Uh, even about no more than fifteen minutes ago, I was uh, sitting in uh, the hot tub in our back garden. Uh, my my good lady had given us what we thought was going to be a mid-lockdown treat by hiring the hot tub for the weekend. But I think it's probably just, you know, the end of the beginning of the lockdown treat now. Um, so, yeah, and, and I'm kind of inspired by some of our listeners. We, we have talked about this on past podcasts, uh, that some of our fans like to listen to, uh, to our episodes in their hot tub. So I thought, well, let's, why not join them? And uh, but unfortunately, technical difficulties meant that I couldn't actually be live from the podcast today. So I do apologise to everyone. And and Lee, I think you breathed a sigh of relief, didn't you? Because you were a little bit concerned that Pete might be uh, might be in his uh, budgie smugglers and uh, doing the broadcast. Well, I'll be honest, Tony. I, I was slightly disappointed because I thought <laughs> there, there might be something that we could put out on uh, on Twitter. Uh, you know, visual-wise, it, it, it might be um, quite good for the listeners. But um, unfortunately, Pete, as always, has talked a good game and failed to deliver. So, what can we do? Well, mate, you, I may not be—I may not be in the hot tub, but who says I'm not wearing my budgie smugglers as we speak? <laughs> Right. Well, let's move along. Miles, uh, good to see you. Um, I, I don't know about you, but um, when when I saw the pictures of Pete's uh, hot tub, it did look remarkably like those paddling pools that they uh, had down at Oldie in the summer. So I just wonder whether he's, he's talking this up a bit. What do you think? Well, I, you know, the prospect of seeing steamy Pete, maybe, as we should now call him in the future, in his budgie smugglers on a, on a sort of video link, filled me with dread and I think thankfully the common sense in the teacher has prevailed and he's he's fully clothed now isn't he chatting to us <laughs> and yeah it, it, looked, it, it looked to me I mean he didn't ask to borrow my gazebo this time so obviously the rain didn't come down and it's good to see him in the flesh and in a room boys <laughs> and and Tony you know how you turn that hot tub into a, a jacuzzi don't you yeah, we won't go into that now. Thank, thank, thank you. All right, Pete, let's come to you then. Uh, we, we had a fantastic chat with uh, the guys from the Craggy podcast uh, to preview the Connaught game. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, sadly, because of COVID-19 and um, the issues with the French teams taking part, those uh, the two rounds that were due to be played over the last couple of weeks have been cancelled. Uh, what What's your thoughts now on where that leaves the competition and Bristol's prospects in the Champions Cup this season? Well, based on um, what I've read... I've got a feeling that because we were in sixth, we potentially would have would play off against someone who was third in the other pool. And I and I could be wrong, and, I'm, and I haven't really looked into this, but I did hear through the great man that we might end up playing Bordeaux again um, in a knockout to get us through to the next round. So, so all is not lost in terms of our European ambitions. And of course, if we do end up playing Bordeaux. We know that we've got to put some rib shots on uh, Jalibur early on, haven't we, to make sure we win the game. So, I mean, it was a. It's easy for fans to get upset about this sort of thing and, and moan about the French and stuff like that. But I mean, it's such a difficult situation at the moment. And um, you know, a decision was made. They clearly they decided there's no way they can replay those games. So I guess we just got to roll with the punches. Um, but if we did have a knockout with with Bordeaux, what, what what a great game that would be. So let's let's wait and see. Um, and Miles, let me come to you. Um, obviously, we have had no official confirmation yet on how they, uh, the the competition might be uh, might might be restructured. I think everyone is assuming it will be this kind of sixteen knockout. But um, again, you, your point of view, seeing that the country is about to, you know, go into a uh, stricter regulations around travel. Um, you know, can, can you see these inter-country games happening uh, in in April when they're, they're, they're due to take place? Uh, not really, TC. I mean, a bit like Pete said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not too overly worried that we've sort of bypassed the pool stage by sort of default and could be going straight into knockout. But yeah, I mean, this pandemic is getting no better. Uh, international travel is sort of ceasing by the day. And I think you're right to put that question. Um, whether we face Bordeaux away or at home, it's another French side. Are the French government really going to be keen on them travelling to Bristol and vice versa? I can't see it myself. And I think as the months move forward, this competition could change even further. And, and Lee, let me come to you. Uh, you know, picking up on that point, do, do you think we're actually going to see a final in Marseille this year? Or, you know, do you, could you see the Champions Cup just, just going down the leg side? Yeah, I, I, I personally don't don't see us seeing a final at all, Tone, because, I mean, you know, the French government have made a decision and I fully respect that, actually. I mean, it's quite nice to have a, a, a decision that's actually been made, um, whereas we seem to just faff around all the time. Um, without being too political. Um, and I just can't see, like Miles had just alluded to there, I can't see us really ever getting to... Um, I, I think that the, the time that we're going to go through in the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to... It, it's going to be a little bit up and down, and I can't see us really getting to a final that, that anyone really wants, in my opinion. And again, I think we've talked on the podcast before. The the only thing that will really drive, um, uh, you know, people to to play and make these matches happening as much as anything, it will be the television money and um, you know uh, the, the the kind of funding for the game. But 
I think there has to be a big question mark about how much of this competition we will see uh, over the next uh, couple of months or so. Uh, but let's move on because uh, one of the other bits of news since uh, we've been off air was the signing of a new scrum half for next season. That's Tom Whiteley, who is going to join us uh, from Saracen. So uh, we thought we'd get a bit of inside information from a Saracens fan um, about what we can expect. So let's listen to that interview now. And on today's show, I'm delighted to um, that we've got Matt Bartlett, who is from Fezcast, the Saracens Supporters Association podcast. Matt, thanks ever so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, no problem. It's good to have a bit of a, a bit of a podcast crossover every now and then. Absolutely, we're certainly very keen to uh, support the other podcasts around the country, the other rugby podcasts. Um, Matt, we've asked you to come on tonight because um, Bristol Bears have announced the signing of Tom Whiteley, a twenty-five-year-old scrum half from Saracens, and we thought it'd be interesting for Bristol Bears fans to find out uh, a little bit more about our new signing. So, uh, first of all, Matt, we were you surprised to see him leave? Saracens? Um, in a way I was to be honest yeah I mean he's, he's been with us for um, about six years now I believe and made well, by the end of hopefully by the end of the championship season he'll have made over 50 appearances but he's, he's obviously been behind Richard Wigglesworth and, uh, and Ben Spencer for quite a while and this was almost like it was going to be you know his his shot at first team rugby so um Perhaps the timing of his departure just on the eve of us starting the championship season is a is a bit of a strange one. Um, but um, you know, it, it may well be a very good move for him. To be honest, um, he, you know, he, he didn't didn't break fully into the first team during during six years, and perhaps a fresh start is um, is is good for him. So definitely wish him all the best. But yeah. And what kind of scrum half uh, will, will we see? Is he is he a kind of uh, very percentage methodical scrum half, or are we going to see a bit of uh, dashing uh, action from from a number nine? Yeah, I mean, possibly the reason he didn't quite break into the Saracens first team too much is that he doesn't play in the same sort of style, particularly as, as Wigglesworth, with endless box kicks and uh, very methodical play. Um, he's actually. Um, just as adept as a fly half as he is as a nine so um, he's quite a flair, flair player um, and, and when he's, he's when he's come off the bench for us he is the sort of person that will deliver that little bit of uh, five minute magic that you might need towards the end of a game so I, I definitely expect um, sometimes it might not come off but other times he will be the person that does um, do something pretty special to, to give you the try that you need at the end of the game so I, I'd, I'd be quite excited about what you might see well, that's good. Good news. We'll look forward to that next season. And of course, uh, I understand he's he's fairly good uh, mate with a, a couple of your players that uh, we we've had on loan, and that's uh, Ben Earl and uh, Max Malins. Um, as a, as a Saracens fan, uh, are there any concerns that uh, these these two England internationals might just get the taste of Thatcher's and West Country life and uh, may, maybe want to stay at Bristol? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky to tricky to know what to say. Obviously, from my point of view, I hope they do come back because they're uh, two of England's finest young prospects, and uh, and we'd like them, please. But um, <laughs> it's uh, you know they're obviously um, coming on leaps and bounds uh, playing with you there and playing in what's a, a very successful team at the minute. So um, 
I, I wouldn't be shocked if they've had their heads turned a bit. Um, and it possibly depends on what happens um, for us over the course of, of this season, whether they do or not. Obviously, Jack Singleton has, has already announced that he's um, he's made his uh, signing for Gloucester permanent. Um, but Singleton possibly didn't have quite the, um, the long-term... Uh, affiliation with Saracens that, that Ben Owen and Max Malins do. So it's, it, is a, it is a tricky one to, uh, to judge, but I do have my fingers crossed that they're coming back. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's there's plenty of Bristol Bears fans that would love to, to see him play another season, but uh, if, if they do go back, they'll they'll go back, I hope, with uh, very fond memories of their time at Bristol and, of course, a uh, Challenge Cup winner's medal uh, as well. Um, and, and talking about next season, obviously in the Premiership, we're uh, six games into it at the moment, looking forward to the seventh game, but uh, the Championship season has yet to start. Um, and again, from a, a Saracens fan's perspective, how? How are you? I say looking forward to this, but uh, what what are your thoughts on the uh, shortened season ahead? Yeah, it's um, obviously COVID has, has created so much uncertainty everywhere. It's, um, it's it's a difficult one for us for us to judge. Um, obviously, we hope that any kind of championship season can be played, and uh, you know, at the minute we we've got these uh, sixteen pools that obviously shortens things. Um, down to uh, effectively half a season's worth of games, um, but at least it will hopefully create a deserving winner at the end of it. Um, but yeah, who knows with um, with the COVID scenario? Obviously, there is a bit of funding there now for teams to isolate and to uh, to have COVID testing, which was the real thing that was that's been stopping the championship so far. But um, yeah, we hope um, hope something gets played because to be honest, even. Um, <laughs> Well, even the most ardent of Saracens fans, if we're going to come back up into the Premiership, we want to be doing it properly. Um, I don't think uh, there's many of you that would like it if uh, the Championship season was cancelled and we were dragged up anyway as a result of being a Premiership shareholder. We'd want to do it properly and win some games and uh, and have a trophy at the end of it. So it's um, it's definitely a fingers crossed job at the minute. But yeah, we'll just have to see what happens over the next uh, next few weeks. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it's a shame with the the, the year that uh, it looks like you'll be down. You're going to miss with COVID some some nice trips to uh, places like Penzance for Cornish Pirates. I think Jersey Reds are also in your group. There could have been some nice away days, but uh, I don't suppose that's going to happen now. Um, Suspect not. No. So I'm, I'm, I was looking forward to it definitely. Um, <laughs> you know, we were going to make make the best of a season in the championship and hopefully go and visit some places that we uh, that we wouldn't normally. Uh, absolutely, and of course, lots of people are speculating that um, the, that 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 final could well be Saracens versus Ealing Trail Finders. Um, um, recent um, in this preseason uh, friendly tournament with yourselves. Ealing in Doncaster, first game narrow defeat uh, to Ealing Trailfinders. Uh, any any concerns around that, or just one of those things as the squad gets uh, back together again? Yeah, I suppose there's um, there's some minor concerns. Obviously, it was a very popular result on uh, on social media and things. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely one to take uh, interestingly, but um, obviously we, we we didn't have. Um, England internationals playing. Um, we're also missing several players who are obviously in a lot of trouble for the uh, Barbarians cancellation incident. So I think, all told, we were probably missing almost a full 15 worth of players. But 
that's you know that's not to say that we should be underestimating Ealing at all because they've they've done an awful lot to uh, to get themselves into the position that they are and they were fully deserving of that win, um, which was against a bit of a mix and match side from us. But it, yeah, it does show that we can't take anything for granted, um, and maybe. In a way, it might be, as it's a pre-season game, it's probably good that we lost it because it might focus some, some players a bit more. So, yeah, slightly slightly concerned that it's not a great start to the season, but um, an important game against Ealing could be at the end of the season. So, uh, hopefully, we, uh, we turn that one around. And we do play them again pre-season in a couple of weeks' time, so we'll see what happens with that one. Well, Matt, thanks ever so much for coming on. I, I know you started FezCast in uh, in August, so uh, it's uh, early days for your podcast journey. But uh, wish the team all the all the best and good luck for for future podcasts. And uh, we look forward to to listening to some episodes when you uh, when you get playing again. Yeah, I appreciate that, and uh, fingers crossed from my point of view that we're uh, we're able to talk again. Uh previewing a fixture between Saracens and Bristol next year. Let's hope so. Always cracking games. Matt, thanks ever so much. Thank you very much, Dave. Well, there we are, guys. That that was Mark Bartlett from um, Matt Bartlett. Sorry, from the Saracens podcast. Uh, I think it's really, really interesting that Pat's made the move now for uh, a, a scrum half. Um, that was done before Harry Randall's call up for the England team. Um, Lee, do do you think? Pat is planning now for a, a future seasons with uh, Harry unavailable for large parts of uh, the, the season because of international duties. I mean, I, I think we have to really believe that. I mean, I think it just, it seems more than a coincidence that we've signed um, a scrum half, which is absolutely in the same mould as Harry Randall. And, I'm absolutely chuffed to bits. This, I think personally, this is a brilliant signing for us. Um, he fits the complete Harry Randall mould, and I think Pat has definitely um, been ahead of the curve in this signing. Yeah, and uh, Pete, you're our resident scrum half specialist. <laughs> um, your 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 thoughts on uh, Tom's signing for for next year? Um, you know, obviously Saracen's player. He's got, I think, forty nine appearances under his belt. Scored ninety one points. Uh, so no mug, but he he's obviously um, not been top of the pecking order over recent seasons there because of the the quality that they've had at scrum half. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with Lee. I think it's hundred um, percent based on knowledge that Harry Randall was going to get international call up, and I'm pretty sure that these things don't come out of the blue. I'm sure that if England have got their eyes on people and Eddie Jones had said he'd been watching him for two years, they're not going to be quiet. They may have been feeding some stuff to the Bristol coaches to sort of ask Harry Randall to do that. I don't know. So I think it's uh, it's 100% um, a signing made for the future. I mean, the interesting thing, if he's very much like Harry Randall, does that mean that he's going to kind of jump up the pecking order when he arrives and uh, has Miles' mate Andy Arend got a bit of work set out for him and and also I mean it, it probably signals curtains for Chris Cook doesn't it even uh, as well so a few questions around um, around you know how he's going to fit into the squad and, and, and existing players I think 
Well, Tony, ask, ask Miles about Chris Cook. <laughs> well, that's it. We've, we'll go from our scrum half expert to the scrum half slayer. Uh, <laughs> that, that is Miles. Um, if, if you get a critical f- review and you're a number nine for Bristol Bears from Miles on this podcast, it, it can be seriously career limiting. <laughs> so, uh, Miles, um, you obviously we've got uh, Harry's call up and uh, yeah, yeah. is, is going to f- step into his boots for the next well, uh, few weeks. So, uh, you know, are you, are you happy with that? I'm really excited. I mean, you know, I think Pat got the nod about Randall, but uh, Pat gave me the nod about Andy Uren stepping in as number one for the, like the whole of the 10 week duration of the, uh, of the six nations boys. I knew it, you knew it secretly, and, and and fair play, but bringing Whiteley in is it's a bit of a stroke of genius. I mean, he's obviously going to, you know, challenge challenge Andy Uren for his place. I mean, I think as we know, um, Tom Castle has I think only got a year contract extension, and my old mate Chris Cook, who I slammed against that game with uh, with uh, Sale, he's, he's had a back injury ever since, and I think he's struggling with his Zimmer frame. So his cards are marked, as I suggested. <laughs> so a good signing for him and a bit, bit worrying for Chris Cook. <laughs> and uh, one, one of the other questions that I, I put to Matt was around, you know, Whiteley's a mate of Earl and uh, Malin's, and does that uh, make him worry as a Saracens fan that, uh, you know, th- th- those boys might not be returning? And uh, he kind of said, uh, I think in the interview, that he didn't think, uh, or he hoped their heads wouldn't be turned. But um, Lee, you've you've heard something on the the grapevine that maybe would suggest that uh, Ben and Max are more likely to to return to Saracens than potentially stay at Bristol at the end of their loan agreement. Yeah, I mean, without giving away any um, any names, but I mean, I, I, we we have heard through the grapevine that maybe um, Pat's uh, philosophy is teachings, um, you know, from the strict background, the teaching background, um, maybe, you know, well, are very slightly different to um, the way that Errol and Maylins have been brought up. So I just, there's there's a little doubt for me that that possibly um, Pat's, Pat's philosophies, Pat's techniques aren't, really suited to uh, the, the pair actually for Bristol. And I know that sounds crazy because they would always give 100% um, to the Bears, but I just wonder whether it, it's a fit that doesn't quite match up. I don't know. I'm, I'm putting myself out on the line to, you know, saying that, but, but you know, I, that's just from sources that I've heard anyway. Yeah, and P- and Pete, it's I suppose it's that comparison between a very much coach-led uh, approach at a club and Saracens, where I think the players had a a, a lot more more sway. Um, what what's your views? Do do you think Whiteley signing is will potentially influence them, or um, you know, uh, is that going to be it? That uh, you know, once we finish this season, they'll both be back to uh, to Saracens. No, I agree with Lee. I think they they'll go back to Saracens. I think they are gems in the Saracens sort of crown, as it were, and and, and they've got to be part of their blueprint for the future. So I, I cannot see how 
Saracens would want not would would want to lose. I mean, they're England internationals and they're on loan. You know, they are. And, and Tom Whiteley, for everything that we've heard for being such a great player, you said it yourself, Tony. He's, he's a third choice scrum half, so he's you know he's perhaps a little more expendable. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, I agree. I don't think we should like get upset about this. I think you know these two Malins and Earl have been brilliant for us, and they will continue to be brilliant when they get the opportunity to play. Um, and I'm sure they appreciate what they will learn from being here. But I agree with you. I just feel that they're they're too embedded. They come up through the academy. They're they're, they're kind of programmed to be Saracens. So I think we should enjoy getting the best out of them, enjoy their rugby, and then hope they drop in form next season when we if we have to play them again. And hopefully yeah. we'll learn where their weaknesses are. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the sad thing I, I was just reflecting on this the other day is that they will have spent what uh, a, se- a full season and what was it about a quarter of the the previous season, uh, and it looks highly likely that they will never have played in front of a, a full house of Bristol Bears fans at Ashton Gate, and uh, you know, no disrespect to to Saracens and their ground, but to you know play some of those big games yeah. uh, in in front of twenty six thousand Bristol fans would have been quite some experience, and uh, yeah, they might might well go back uh, never having the pleasure of that. Um, right, well, let's move on now and let's talk about the Six Nations because uh, all the teams, all the squads have been announced and. Uh, um, Miles, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, just want to talk about the Wales squad. Obviously, Callum Sheedy, uh, congratulations to him. He got called up again. Yain Lloyd didn't get included in the squad this time round. Um, your thoughts on that and potentially what that means for Lloyd now um, over this next group of games while the Six Nations are on? Uh, yeah, it's fantastic news for Callum again. I, I think he obviously showed to Wayne Pivak that he uh, just played really well in the Autumn Nations Cup. And, and it's brilliant that he's been called back up. Gutting for us uh, that we're going to miss him potentially for the whole Six Nations as he's been our number one fly half. Uh, and a bit gutted for Yoen Lloyd. I thought he, when he came on with the glimpses in Wales, he really shined. But selfishly, when he came back to the Bears, he seemed to have a bit, of a bit of a twinkle in his step, I think we'd all agree. Uh, and perhaps training with the Wales squad had done him some favours. So it's looking like Yoran is likely to fit into Sheedy's slot during the Six Nations if he's not called up to any injury. And and I think it's his time to shine in that position and really uh, show really what a good sort of flyer he'll be, hopefully. And Pete, uh, obviously, uh, we'll talk about the England squad, um, you know, um, Earl and Malins, as expected, uh, get called up. So that was uh, Malins, another 10 uh, opportunity that uh, that Bristol might have had. Um, how important do you think it is for Lloyd to have a, a run of games at uh, fly half now? Well, I, I think it's important for, for the team <laughs> because... Apart from Sam Bedlow, we haven't got anyone else. Or, and and the, the young lad in the, I think it's um, Willstead in the academy. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big call. But, I mean, he's proved that he can deal with the big time. Um, 
he can play. Out, I mean, he's basically been playing out of position. When you look at the, the the website and you look at his profile, he's he's listed as a fly off, and that's it. He's not even a utility back. So that is his natural position, and he is a fantastic um, ball kicker as well. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a big big moment. But I mean, this guy looks like for someone who's nineteen, he, he, he's mature enough to cope with it. Um, he will have his ups and downs. That's all part of the learning process. But and we know we've got someone like Sam Bedlow, behind, you know, behind if, if necessary to come in, who actually acquitted himself really well at the beginning of the season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's hard to predict what's going to happen, and I imagine that he will get targeted by, you know, what we got Bath and we got Sale, and I imagine if they if he does get named at ten, they're going to be targeting Lloyd definitely to try and put him under pressure, but. I mean, you know, the guy has proven that he is a class act and I think it's fantastic. And I just go, just to, to uh, reiterate what Miles said about Sheedy, I just think it just shows to us, doesn't it, how important Sheedy is that now we think we're missing him. You know, we, we're so used to him just being so calm and composed in control at 10 that we're kind of slightly worried about someone else coming in. Um, and I, I, I think it's brilliant. Sheedy and I think we've got to always remember how how selfish sometimes we can get about oh we're missing our great players but this was one of the pillars wasn't it it's Bristol players not playing for England unfortunately Sheedy but Bristol players playing for international and therefore as a club we have to accept that and Lee I remember Lee saying this months ago on the podcast is you know when we get to the big time that's what we've got to expect and and uh, the fact that we're kind of excited and slightly nervous about Lloyd is a good place to be yeah, and you, and do you think there therefore Pete Tiff Eden? You didn't mention him at all. Do you think Tiff stays um, a, a numbered as far as starts are well, concerned in the Premiership? I saw him exercising with Miles the other day in the park, so I think uh, uh, I thought that just says it all for poor old Tiff. Well, no, to be fair, joking aside, I mean he's still part of the first team squad, isn't he? He's still on a salary, and if say Lloyd gets injured, Bedlows gets injured, I mean, Tiff Eden will, will have to step up. And uh, I'm sure that the lad will be, I mean, they're all being coached together. I mean, clearly he has there. So, yeah, I mean, if, if he has to do, he has to do it. But, I, I mean, I do think it's, you know, he's got a, he's got a big big mountain to climb, I think, Tiff, to, 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 to get back, if at all. Yeah, and Lee, let me come to you. Obviously, we talked about uh, Maylins and Earl um, in the England squad. Obviously, absolutely delighted for Harry Randall to get called up for the first time. So I want you to to maybe comment on that. Um, and then after that, give me your view on Sinclair being omitted uh, from the squad. Um, so first of all, Harry Randall, how, how did you take that news that he'd been called up for England? Well, I, I think I probably... To say like we'd all agree on this, Harry Randall has been absolutely due a call up for a while now, and obviously Pete has written some brilliant columns um, in in the press, which have been picked up on, which we'll talk about later. Um, and I mean, Randall has been immense this season, and I do I, I, the point that Pete made earlier about maybe Eddie James has had a chat with Pat. Um, in terms of what he was, what Eddie James was expecting from Randall, because we've talked about it for the last few weeks, like he was quick before, but he's he's quickened his game up even more, and I think that we were all absolutely proud of him to get called up, and and you know obviously as a, as a proud Englishman. I'd say he's chosen the right country. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> pa- so, sorry, Callum. 
<laughs> I, 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 absolutely. And I think, you know, he's probably been the most improved player this season. And he was coming from a pretty high level to start with. But yeah. things, I think, like his kicking game um, yeah. have just improved immensely. And I think the decision-making... Um, maybe last season a little bit guilty of taking quick taps when the rest of the team didn't really know what he was doing. But, um, you know, whether that's better organisation and communication, but uh, certainly I, I, I think he's been fantastic and so well-deserved. Now, how, how do you see Lee the Sinclair thing? Obviously, he's got the two-match ban. Um, I think there was some speculation maybe he'd be in the squad, named in the squad, uh, but then not available available for the first game. Um, how, how are you reading the fact that uh, his name uh, wasn't mentioned at all and uh, not in the shadow squad either? Yeah, I mean, that that was absolutely bizarre for me. Um, I mean, I, obviously we knew that he was going to be banned for the, the first game anyway, but I... Is a is that one's a really bizarre one for me, and I I would probably have to throw that one across to to Pete or Miles, and because I I really can't work that one out if I'm honest. All right, um, well, the fact that he was omitted completely. Well, let's let's. I mean, for me, you know, I I work in uh, communications and public relations. I always analyse the words in any statement, and uh, there was a lot of talk about um, players that were available, and uh, obviously Sinclair with his ban wasn't available. So, Pete, let me come to you. Do you think? Um, do you think him not being in the squad means we as Bristol Bears fans are going to have Carl Sinclair back for uh, the majority of the Six Nations uh, after he served his two-game ban? Or do you think maybe it is looking at that wording just a bit technical because he's not available, he wasn't named, but as soon as he does become available, he may well be added to that squad? Yeah, I think so. I think he's too valuable to England. Not to, I mean, it's it's bad timing. His his indiscretion last game. It's it, you know, it, it, but it wasn't the worst sort of ban. And and it's one of those ones that if it had been a a, a higher level um, transgression, then he might. That was it. That would have been curtains for the Six Nations. But you know, it was there was a lot of there was it was the lowest entry point, wasn't it? I think for uh, a sanction. Bad timing for Eddie. I I think he's too important. I think they only got two tight heads in the England squad, so you know tight head being one of yeah. those odd positions where I'm sure rules can change because of safety issues. I think it's a bit of a a smart move between the club and and, and England, um, and he'll, he'll he'll be available for as it were for Bath, but not played because that'd be one of his bans, and then maybe he'll only end up missing one of the. Uh, one of the uh, the England games, so yeah, I, I think he's too he's too valuable. And Miles, any 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 thoughts from you on 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 Randall's call up or, or the Sinclair omission? Uh, it's a fantastic for Randall. I mean, just to reiterate what Lee said. I mean, he's he's become our sort of one of our main playmakers of the squad over the last sort of uh, certainly this season. Um, I mean, his work rate is fantastic. It doesn't surprise me that he's had a bit of a call-up. As you've said, TC, his kicking's got a lot better. We've heard interviews with Pat saying that he's such a, a, such a grafter and that he studies the game massively when he's not actually playing it. So I think this is thoroughly deserved. 
on the old Sinclair note, I mean, yeah, Ed, I think Eddie's been a bit shrewd, hasn't he? Because I think he's been quoted this week in his interview about the squad to say that there's, here we are, there's room to bring, to bring players in if needed. So, uh, I mean, we all, I think all, all England fans suggest we're, we're sort of a, 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 bit, a bit worried that this 28-man bubble would be completely fixed. And knowing now that players, certainly in England, are not going to be released back to their clubs when they are not picked that weekend. Um, but yeah, he's sort of he's sort of sort of suggesting that that's not going to be the case. And if he says there's room to bring players in, I think yeah, I think it's a sort of a, a slightly clever way of him saying he's going to miss the Bath game, miss the Scotland game, and then suddenly there'll be room to get Kyle back in the squad. And, and and that's one of the things we know from England that players won't be released back. I think there's less certainty around the Welsh uh, setup. I mean, I would find it strange if they did start releasing players back to their clubs. Um, but I, I've not seen anything definitive one way or another on that. Pete, I think you 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 had something you wanted to add to to this discussion. Yeah, just just uh, you know in the in the. Uh, just for balance purposes and trying to keep contemporaneous as uh, we like to be from time to time. I I was on board with everybody with the kind of almost like the father to child love that everyone was giving Harry Randall on Twitter. But I mean, he is third choice scrum half and part of me does wonder, will he actually get a game at all for this? And uh, if he doesn't, that still he still means he could be available for, for Wales in the next time there's some international. So, you know, Tom Young, uh, not Tom, I said his last time, Ben Young's <laughs> literally, I mean, well, I mean, Tom Young's may as well play scrum after the way um, James picks him. But Ben Young's is clearly still number one. And, you know, Dan Robson's number two. I, 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 I'd like to think he'll come on and play a game. But, you know, let's just be realistic. What if he doesn't? I'll tell you what, here's, here's my prediction. He, he will be named on the bench for the Italy game. He, he will come on, if, if not required before, for the last 10 minutes to then stamp that red him. rose uh, yeah, across his yeah. chest. He'll, he'll be capped and therefore no longer available. Basically, Tony, I was chipping that up for you just to make sure, but I think, you know, it's worth asking a question, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was completely fair comment as well. I think, and I think England need to cap him as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, well, let's move along. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, we've had a couple of weeks without any action for Bristol Bears, but oh my word, are we looking forward to Friday when the Premiership restarts and we will be entertaining Bath, our old friends um, at Ashton Gate. Uh, We're going to talk about that uh, in a little while, but... uh, Let's hear one of the Bath podcasts. So uh, let's hear that. In our next episode of Pete's Premiership Previews, I am very excited to welcome 
two Bath Rugby fans onto the podcast. Uh, we've got Gabriel and Charlie from the Bath Rugby Plug podcast. Um, so guys, really pleased to talk to you. I really appreciate you coming on. And as is the, the norm, I think the first question I'd like to ask you is a little bit about your, um, your history uh, as Bath fans, how long you've been supporting them and how you came about sort of uh, putting the pod together and how long you've been going. So, uh, so over to you. Yeah, thank, thanks for having us on, Pete. It's, um, it'd be nice for your, for your listeners to, to get a, a, a view about a proper team in the Southwest uh, for, for a change. But um, yeah, I've been a Bath fan for as I can remember. Um, and we decided to put the podcast together, myself, Charlie, and Tom, who's our third member, uh, about two years ago now, three, three, two and a half years ago. So we're entering our third season, document a great Bath um, rise to the top of the premiership but instead it's kind of turned into therapy sessions for our regular listeners after another heartbreaking defeat I think that's what we found but um, onwards and upwards Charlie how, how, how are you mate? yeah I mean much as what you said Gabe uh, we set about hoping that we'd be uh, recording podcasts after winning the premiership uh, but yeah it turns out that it's a bit of a roller coaster ride um, uh, we put together the therapy sessions for all the other fans I mean yeah we're a podcast by fans for the fans so, I mean, I think it's fair to say that you have had a bit of a mixed start to the season. I'd be kind of interested to hear what your personal take is on, on, on how Bath has been playing. Like, what, what, what players have you been impressed with? You know, what, what issues have you got? Um, and and uh, take it from there. Where to start, I suppose. I'll jump in here, Gabriel. Uh, yeah, to say we had a mixed start to the season is very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, I, I think... Some of the words uh, we've chosen to use uh, over this season's podcast have been uh, uh, slightly more explicit, but um, uh, dreadful is is, uh, is is one that comes to mind. But extremely frustrating. Uh, we've obviously we've obviously lost a newly promoted Newcastle in the first game of the season, which seems to be a, a bit of a theme for us uh, uh, over the past few years. Um, but uh, I mean, we've we put together some some. Some glimpses of good performance. Uh, I mean, the main problem I've found is uh, is our attack. We just can't we just can't seem to score off set piece. Everything seems to be a result of uh, an individual piece of brilliance, uh, usually from the likes of Ben Spencer uh, or Cameron Redpath. So um, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a mixed bag. But uh, hopefully, we've we've got some new coaches have been in in uh, in uh, Neil Hatley. So hopefully. In time, he'll probably be able to sink his teeth in, into the boys and get you know, get get the best out of them because he's proven to do that in so many roles in yeah. the past. Just one win uh, this season has been extremely, extremely disappointing. I think in particular because we finished last season so strongly after the lockdown with we the form team in the Premiership and we kind of looked like with the signings of Ben Spencer and Cam Redpath, who Charlie mentioned there, we were starting to get a core of, uh, of players together that were going to be there for a long time and were starting to develop into a, a really strong team kind of based around a, a forward-dominated uh, side with a really strong front row, but we just haven't seen that uh, since the, the resumption of this new season. So it's been extremely disappointing. And um, yeah, I, I, I'll come on here as confident as I can be, but yeah, we are fearing going to Ashton Gate, I think, at the moment with the way the two sides are shaping up, Pete. What do you think is the reason for that? Because I mean, you've got a, a you've got a really good training ground out in up, out in Farley Hungerford. I mean, you've got like a load of international players. I mean, you know, what's your thoughts on Stuart Hooper as a as a DOR? Because I mean, he was promoted relatively young. Um, do you think it's a, a club culture issue, or do you think players are just 
just not performing individually. What what do you do you have any thoughts on it? I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think Stuart Hooper's job is is to set the the club culture, as you say, Pete. He's not a, a coach on the field. He's kind of a DOI in the sense of he sets that culture and he he helps a lot in the recruitment and in the academy. But the the, the main coaching is done by Gervin Dempsey, who are the forwards and backs coach respectively. And I think the problem to me appears to be in the coaching and in the performancing on the performances on the field. Like it seems like the guys are, are happy to be at Bath. We recruit good players regularly Ben Spence we've mentioned twice but Ben Spence and Cameron for example you know there must be something right if those guys are, are willing to join so it does seem like the the, the the blame doesn't necessarily sit with Hooper but at the end of the day when you're DOR the buck does ultimately stop with you and so he is coming under increasing pressure probably not from us guys on the podcast but I think certainly Charlie a lot lot of Bath fans on, on social media seem to be pretty disappointed with the direction Hooper's steering us in yeah, I mean, it's you're right. I mean, you you know, you did finish strongly, and um, it, I can see how it could be quite frustrating, particularly when uh, ten minutes down the road you're watching uh, the development of a new southwestern powerhouse. Um, <laughs> we, but I've got to say, guys, I, I did have the the Exeter uh, fans on a couple of weeks ago, and and they firmly said that they now see the Exeter Bristol game as their uh, big uh, local derby. So I was going to ask you. I mean, despite everything, do you see? Um, Bath Bristol as the big local game. Well, I mean, big competitors probably not. I mean, if you look at the league table, the the two rivalries are probably Bristol and Exeter at the top, and Gloucester and Bath at uh, at the bottom <laughs> at the moment. Um, and I think historically speaking, both Exeter and Bristol are pretty newly to the top of that league, and it always has been for 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 myself as a Bath fan growing up, and for Bath fans, I think that Gloucester Bath derbies always seems to be the biggest one um but yeah certainly it seems to be the 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 second biggest one at the moment as much as it kind of pains me to say that you know you want close games of rugby that are that competitive and uh you know i'm sure those those days will come <laughs> right anyway let's move on let's move on actually i tell you what, i've set myself up for a fall but let's move on we're recording this on the thursday of the week when on the Tuesday it was announced that your training ground had closed and that you had 19 positive COVID cases. But now it appears today that for some reason there were actually only two positive um, cases. Um, and of course, you've also found that um, you've lost Cameron Redpath to Scotland for the Six Nations and you've lost to, uh, to Lupe Falatau as well. Um, and it does look like the game is going to go ahead next Friday, a week on Friday. So sort of taking all of that into account and the fact that tomorrow the England squads for the Six Nations is going to be announced and, and it traditionally you do you know lose quite a lot of players for England. So taking all of those things into account, you've lost three, three days of training. Do you see any sort of glimmers of hope that you might have? Uh, any weaknesses in the Bristol side that you might exploit? Uh, I mean, at first I was thinking, uh, fantastic, at least we'll get two points out of this game. Um, <laughs> but uh, now that it's been announced, that it, 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 well, it is kind of 95% going to go ahead. So it, it, just apart from any disasters that might jump on us between now and then. Uh, I mean, I've been, I have been trying to look for some, uh, some areas of positivity. Um, I mean, you, you've spoken about the international squads that have been announced. Uh, so some internationals will, will be missing. And um, perhaps... This is where Bath's poor performances of this season will, uh, will actually come back and benefit us uh, as we probably unlikely to get as many international call-ups as, uh, as we would have at the end of last season. 
hopefully we can actually keep hold of Ben Spencer um, because he's he's sort of the, the shining light in our team. Our attack, I mentioned, has is, is been pretty poor. Um, but then again, Bristol's defence, I seem to I seem to feel, you guys are able to score from anywhere on the pitch. I mean, you've kind of proven that. You've got, you've got a fa- kind of electric back line. Um, and you, I mean, you're able to use it, unlike us. Um, uh, so, but the problem is, 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 is your defence, you do seem to be conceding, you know, near to 20 points most, you know, most games this season. Uh, I mean, you've, you, like us, have had 50 put on you um, uh, at least once this season. You've obviously lost uh, Callum Sheedy, who won't be about. So I mean, I'm assuming you and Lloyd's going to step into that 10 jersey. Yeah. I mean, that will be a big question uh, uh, or a, a big you know, deciding force in the game. I mean, we've seen him a lot at 15 and on the wing. Obviously, he's he's electric and, and can yeah, he can he can tear holes uh, in in defence, given a bit of space, but can he control the game? Can he distribute? Can he open up your backline? It'd be, it'd be, it'd be a, you know, a good test for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Gabriel, Pat you know? Lamb's got all of these worries in his head as well, because to me, the, 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 the um, fake COVID outbreak and the shutting of Farley House has got his fingerprints absolutely all over it. You know, if that's the tactics that, that Bristol want to use to, to beat the, the West Country powerhouse in Bath, then, then that's what we're going to have to deal with. But yeah, I think that's absolutely going to be a problem. You know, we've had it shut since Tuesday. And I was just yeah. before we came on to record reading a report by Ben Coles, the rugby journalist on Twitter, who was suggesting we may not actually be able to get back into the building until next Tuesday. Really? So clearly that's going to have a, an impact on our preparation. Um, and Bristol will have the, the, the upper hand in terms of on-field preparation. But I think maybe we can hope that it almost galvanises Bath Thinking about the game again, Ashton Gate, are you are you brave enough to uh, put forward any predictions? Um, Charlie, you look like you're quite keen to give us a prediction there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go first because uh, I'm pretty confident uh, on what Gabriel is going to predict. Uh, he's a very optimistic bloke. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll just give my pennies worth. I mean, first off, I'd like to say uh, that having no fans in the stadium would be a positive for Bath uh, because it takes away that home advantage. But then again, Bristol's been playing in front of an empty stadium for years now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that, that doesn't really change. Honestly, Tom, Tom said if we didn't, our other podcaster Tom said if, if we didn't say that at some point during this recording, he would no longer be our friend. So try <laughs> to <that in. laughs> Fair enough. But I, yeah, suppose so, I, could I could respond by saying at least our stadium like stays intact for the whole year. But anyway. You can look at uh, the, the, the recent fixture results. Uh, I mean, you've won three of the last four games, uh, both the home games. Uh, so you could say that Bath haven't won at, uh, at Ashton Gate for well, probably about seven years with the five years in the championship now, isn't it? <laughs> um, so uh, that obviously like at the end doesn't stack up. Coming out punching. I like it. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I mean, as, as I said, uh, I probably would have taken uh, the two point loss earlier in the week um, with COVID. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, it's it's hard to say. I am going to be slightly more positive. I, I do think that Bath can come out with a good performance and uh, with a good performance and surprise some people. Uh, when I put my house on it or something, I, I would be calling a Bath loss. But uh, I'd like to say that uh, it will only be by a score. Hopefully, our, our back rowers can put a lot of pressure on uh, on kind of a young 
skinny uh, Ewan Lloyd at ten, and uh, yeah, a, a couple of a couple of rib shots early on wouldn't go amiss. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll say Bristol, Bristol twenty four, Bath twenty. Come on, Charlie. Come on, come on. And that's what you're coming. We've got a Bath 28, Bristol 27 victory coming our way on the 29th flag. <laughs> two names to watch out for, for for the Bristol fans. So two names that maybe you guys were not that familiar with. So firstly, Josh McNally, who might actually be Bath captain on the day. He's playing really well for us in the second row, uh, in particular in defence and in more defence. His battle with Dave Atwood, obviously ex-Bath man, is going to be fascinating. And no. Uh, Another guy, uh, Tian Schumann, is a South African fly half. Will we see him on the bench to to come on, spark that back line into life, and uh, and score a last minute try in the corner? Another another name potentially Gabe, with with Watson likely to be to be off. Uh, I'd also say is um, Gabe uh, Hamer Webb, mm. uh, very a very uh, powerful and uh, back uh, back three player, uh, mm-hmm. normally best used used on the wing. Uh, not given his uh, slightly diminutive stature, but uh, yeah, he, he he was on the bench last week. I'm not sure he even got on. Uh, well, not last week, two weeks ago, whenever we, uh, we played against Wasp. But um, yeah, he's uh, he, he he can score some handy plays. Uh, we we caught glimpses of him last season. Just come back from from an injury. Uh, There's definitely one to keep your eyes on if he plays. I kind of agree. You you've got some you have got some firepower, and if it all comes together, it, you know it's uh, there's a chance you might get within 20, 20 points. Or so. <laughs> but, um, one question that I want to ask you that I know the guys wanted to ask me it, it's to do with your pitch. Um, we were we were wondering that um, your groundsman was he furloughed before the COVID pandemic? Uh, because we've always wondered about the state of uh, the, the pitch down at the wreck. Um, and uh, I don't know what your thoughts are about about the playing surface. Do you think that benefits you um, or, or not? So we um, we actually uh, called it Shrek's Swamp. Um, obviously, with a play on words on the wreck when we were doing our podcast. That was a season ago. In the um, the uh, lockdown from March to August, they actually had it resurfaced, and um, there's sort of uh, like a hybrid uh, under yeah. surface. I'm no t- I'm no groundsman, but apparently, and actually this season it's been playing remarkably well. So um, yeah, he may have been on furlough then, but he's back off furlough, and he's um, he's pulled his finger out. So yeah, it's something that actually our owner Bruce Craig um, spoke about that he wanted to invest in that pitch. Because he he wasn't happy with the playing style that we were having when it was sort of a, a bog there. So um, yeah, on your next visit, hopefully uh, we'll all be there to to have this conversation in a pub beforehand, and then we yeah. can watch some some fantastic rugby on the the brand new pitch. Well, Pete, another great job there. Uh, well done. And um, I've got to say, they were a bit feisty, these boys, weren't they? You know, we, 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 we've we talked to sort of like the Newcastle ones and the Connaught ones, um, uh, and it's been kind of very, uh, you know, professional. Uh, but, but these boys were up for a bit of banter, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Young lads, been on a few ales before we... Uh... Before we came on, and, and in fact, before I even started the interview, one of them said, "Hey, can we just stop a minute? I've got to go and get so, get myself a drink." And then came back with another tinny. Um, yeah, but you know, good good value boys. Um, clearly came with a, pr- a few pre-planned digs 
which, you know, you've got to respect that. You've got to take the punches. Um, I'd like to think that um, I gave a bit back, <laughs> just a little bit in the in the interview, you know, to stick up for us. But um, got to say, I mean, they, it was a hard, they had a hard gig, didn't they, really? I mean, they've come off the back of a massive defeat. Uh, they've lost a load of players to England, and, uh, and they, they're, they're coming – they're going to see their team come to the gate and with a record of three losses uh, in the in the last three games. So, yeah, it was it's always good to have a bit of banter with the oppo. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it transcends. And Lee, you always like a, a little bit of banter, don't you? But um, do, do, do you think they um, a, a bit unwise, seeing that they've they've only won one game this season, to uh, to to be a bit cheeky about their prospects? I, I thought they were they were punching slightly above their weight, to be honest. <laughs> but 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 when when the guy I just wanted to ask Pete when the guy went off to get himself a you say a tinny, but surely it would have been a bottle of Bolly, wouldn't it? Being a bath. No, it was one of those um, Waitrose, you know, gin and tonic combined together. <laughs> oh, they were only about. They, I think they were quite young. I'm not a big salary, so you know, there's a sliding scale of uh, of drinking in Bath. You've got to be at least in your mid forties to be on Bollinger. But you start. I, I would to be suggest- fair. You know what? I'm not even sure it was gin and tonic. I've got a feeling it might have been baby sham, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, are, and Mark Miles, do you think that, you know, it shows a lack of professionalism that uh, they didn't have the drinks lined up ready for the interview, that they had to, to stop and uh, go and get a refill? Well, this is typical of Bath fans, I think, isn't it, TC? I mean, Pete, he must have had his barber jacket and dry, or Dryzerbone jacket hung on the back of his chair, mustn't he? Um, I mean, it was great banter. I mean, to, to, to you know, to give him a bit of a dig about that pitch is, is a great question from a Bears supporter. A fair play. They knew they were on for potential hiding. They, they clearly would have <laughs> the two points, wouldn't they? Two COVID points. And they know that they might get a drubbing down at the gate. But good lads. I mean, it's greater than to come on and a great interview from Pete. Pete, one of the things that... Uh... I thought uh, the most cheeky thing was to talk about our defence being uh, a a weakness. And uh, as we've talked about on the podcast, I think one of the things we've all seen is how our our defence has tightened up. And uh, he was quoting, uh, we we shipped 20 points a game. Um, You're a little bit surprised about that. Well, on, yeah, at the time, I had to edit out the snorting that was coming out of my mouth, I've got to say. But you know what? I thought I might just have a check this before we record tonight. And you, you never guess what. Um, using my kind of GCSE level maths, we've, we've, had, we've had eight premiership games, uh, or eight games, sorry, six premiership, two European games this season. We've conceded 23, 13, 17, 51, 18, 19, 17 and 7. Um, it comes out at a mean of 20. <laughs> so I couldn't believe it. So I thought, well, hang on a minute. There's other ways of working out the average. So I, for those junior, those uh, amateur mathematicians out there, I thought, well, let's let's work out the uh, the median because obviously the 51 against Clermont was a bit of an outlier. Anyway, I lined them all up in order, and lo and behold, it was 17.5. So it was a little bit better. It was a slightly better average. And then I thought, you know what? I'm on a roll here. What about the mode? Because I always remember from school is the mode is the, 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 the most frequent one. And guess what? It's 17. So basically, he, we could probably say, because you can always choose your best average, can't you? So we'll choose the mode. 
and say that we've shipped on average 17 points. But to be fair to Charlie, I think it was, he said it, he wasn't far off. But this, of course, raises a massive point about statistics, doesn't it? About averages. Because really, um, what is the most important statistic that we can point out um, to them? And I think the obvious one is that the last game they played, okay, they uh, shipped over 50 points. The last game we played, we shipped seven against the the European and domestic champions at their own ground. So forget about all the others. I think whilst 20 is a good average, I think seven against Exeter is the thing that we should be really focusing on. Uh, absolutely. Well, let's let's think about our our, our um, team, our 23 for, for the game against Bath. Lee, let me come to you. Um, we, we, we've made the assumption that uh, Lloyd is going to start at 10. Do you, do you see that? Yeah, I, I think he has to, Tim. I mean, he's he's our, our kind of second choice um, after Sheets. And I, I think he is perfect for the role as well against Bath because obviously we all know that, that what he what Lloyd gives us is um, that kind of... Um, we don't know what he's going to do. And I think that that is, is going to be massive on the night. And... I'm really expecting us to have a really big game. I think we're gonna we're gonna put really put some points on them. And I think our we we've pretty much got our full strength squad back, haven't we? Apart from the internationals. Yeah, I think so, somebody did uh, say on social media. Um, could we possibly rename the pod? Uh, does anybody know when Vui's back? Um, because I think I think you've asked that question for for about ten episodes in a row, and of course we haven't had, have. we haven't had any updates. Uh, obviously, he'd be a big plus uh, if he was back. Harry Thacker must be there or thereabouts, um, and Siali Piatau again. I'm not quite sure the extent of his injury, but uh, hopefully this little enforced rest will mean that we are very close to uh, a pretty fit squad to choose from. Um, the, as well, Lee, I was going to, you know, we're all assuming that Lloyd is going to play at 10. I, I think he probably will. Um, are we right to assume that you're in a play at nine as well? Yeah, I think he, he, he's obviously, he's he's the main man in, in front of the um, the curve now, isn't he, with Randall being with the uh, England squad. And personally, I know like Miles will probably disagree, but I think, Andy Uren's not a bad player, so I think I think he's uh, yeah. Obviously, he knows the knows the plays, and I think we'll be in safe hands with Andy Uren. And I think I can only see us really putting some points on back. And I, I think, from my perspective, that um, that little bit of unpredictability that we get from Randall playing at nine, I, I think we might get that from Lloyd at ten. That um, yeah. you know, Cal- Callum is very good and brings the backs in and uh, is very talented, but I think Lloyd, with his little twinkle toes, might mm. well uh, cause some surprises to a few defences. But but let me come to Great. to Miles. Uh, maybe if we look at the Bristol pack, um, are, are there any changes there? Um, who, who who do you think uh, are going to be the key players for us? in that uh that eight 
Uh, well, I think just obviously the last game we've got to go on um, is the Exeter game. And as we know, we haven't got Kyle to, to choose this time. So, I mean, our front row is, is probably already picked itself, maybe being like John Afoa. I think I think Ben Byrne is going to be first choice of scrum half. Brian. Then you've got the Brian, Brian Byrne. Brian Byrne. <laughs> Brian Byrne. There's no Brian Byrne. Byrne. Ben. Miles, come on. Right, right. <laughs> Brian, it's, uh, and then, uh, but the problem is you've then got Jakey had a little bit of a poor game, didn't he, at Chiefs and was taken off early. So some might argue that Jan Thomas came on and, and stayed on, didn't he? So against, you know, I, I know Bath have got some of their big players out like Abano, Stuart Underhill, um, but still we've got a strong pack. And I feel that maybe we might start with Jan Thomas and, and lead. Jake on the bench. Second row, if you want me to talk about that, I, it's sort of picking itself as we don't know what's happened to what's what's happened to Vui is Atwood and Joycey again, because Holmes was in the injured list for the Exeter game, uh, and without Mal- um, without Ben Earl, it's clearly Dan Thomas, Steve Luatua, and Husey on the at number eight. Yeah, good work, Miles. And uh, let 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 me see what happens when Miles has got two weeks to prepare for a podcast. He's he's, <laughs> he, he's all over it like a rash. Pete, let let me come to you. Um, we've talked about nine and ten um, in the, the the rest of the backs. How do you see us lining up? Well, I think I think uh, it will be Piers, Sammy, Siva, uh, Lukey, and Charles Piertow. I mean, it's a it's a frightening. I feel kind of slightly tingly just saying all those names in, in a row. Um, I mean, I think the, the one we want to focus on is uh, is, is our Siva Nualago. He's, he's been kind of, he's been, um, you know, desperate to get his hand on the ball, hasn't he? And, and do some damage. And I just think, you know, this is the, this is the team. This is the, the oppo where he could do some serious damage um, as long as he gets the ball, uh, you know, in a good position and, and obviously remembers his defensive duties. And I, one thing I would say is that the one thing Bath have got going for them is Ben Spencer and, I would imagine that Bath are going to have a fairly straightforward game plan, which is to pummel high balls at, uh, well, at Nualago because he's kind of fairly new, um, and pummel them at our wingers. So, um, you know, that that's something to, to, to bear in mind. But, yeah, I mean, what a... I mean, if Lloyd has a as good a game as we hope and wish, it's, it seems very difficult um, to see that we aren't going to be... Um, you know, stretching them out wide. Um, because again, we know that our pack is coming off an amazing victory. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard for, uh, if I was a Bath fan, I'd be, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd have given up already, to be honest. And uh, the funny thing is with those boys, they talked it up a little bit, but then I went and listened to their podcast after they'd lost to Wasps. And it was, it, they were utterly distraught. They, they were like literally just giving a throw in the towel then. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, you never know with sport, do you? It can be a crazy thing. No, ab- absolutely. And uh, I think they said uh, in the, the interview, didn't they, that uh, it's the problem scoring and uh, yeah. working off the set piece. But but Spencer has been that that spark. Yeah. So I think Bristol will have to be very careful. And actually, you're in maybe around the, you know, the base of our scrum might be defensively a little bit stronger than Randall. So that that might well, uh, might well play well. I think well. As, long as, as long as Andy Aaron 
focuses on his game rather than pointing to where the ball goes out every time it goes into touch. Yeah. That's always been something yeah, that yeah. annoys me about him. And I'm pretty sure he needs to, he's at least 100 No, And I'm going back to her. I mean, I, I'm joking aside with Andy Uren, you know, he's been a great servant to the club. And, and I'm sure that he is also going to really want to take this opportunity to step up and, and prove Miles wrong. Uh, not prove Miles wrong, he proved very much right. Sorry, um, <laughs> you know, he's and I remember some great games that when Andy has, has come on and he's got pace and he's, um, you know, he's a he's a he's a niggly scrum half. And if he's been, you know, if if Randall has improved over the last few months, you'd be sure that Uren has also been training with him and improving, and they're working together. So, well, you know, great opportunity. He, he has he has to, doesn't he? Uren yeah. has to step up because. Yeah. You know, otherwise he's he's not going to be starting every game. So and he's you a know, local boy, so he's got a real exactly. That that is the beauty of competition, isn't it? Well, I, I think it's interesting with the timing as well. Uh, you know, with Randall now going to be away for what six, seven weeks with England, it gives him an opportunity to stake his claim again for that number nine shirt, and especially with uh, Whiteley on the way as well. So, um, you know, it is a big opportunity for him, and you don't need to get a Bristolian motivated to be on the park wearing uh, the blue shirt against. Bath. Um, Miles, one person that maybe we did think we might possibly see um, is, of course, the Argentinian prop that uh, we've signed on a short-term deal to the end of the season. Now, I'm going to let you pronounce his name because... Uh, <laughs> That's an easy you're, one. You're, you're, Let's go with it. We'll, we'll try Noel Shaparo. I don't know. That, yeah, he's got it right. He's got it right. Hey, but, to be honest with you, we were having a little chat before the podcast, actually, weren't we, TC? It's been awfully quiet, actually. And I was flicking through all the player profiles, and it's still got a blank image, and it hasn't got a picture of him in a bare shirt yet. Social media's been quiet, so we're not even even sure if he's been allowed in the country yet. Mm. I mean, Lee could help us out here. With his Argentinian connect- connections with his fancy steak at Christmas, I thought he might have some insider intel there. Yeah, I mean, he's been signed as a short-term loan for the end of the season. You would think Six Nations now starting. Where on earth is he? Um, and, you know, is he, is he even training with us yet? Well, that, that that's interesting. I certainly haven't seen or heard anything to uh, suggest that he's actually arrived. Having said that, I haven't seen anything to uh, confirm the contrary. So uh, it will be interesting because I, I think we certainly do need that extra um, pair of hands, uh, especially if Sinclair does get uh, called back up to, to the England squad. So... Um, you know, we that, that's pretty much who we think uh, is going to play our 15. Let's talk about the results. Obviously, the um, Bath Plug podcast boys, one of them went for a very narrow 28-27 win for Bath. The other one um, was keeping his fingers crossed for a 24-20 defeat. Um, and it was interesting that they said that they would have taken the two points if the game had been called off now clear what, what, what surprise 
and, uh, and we would all have been gutted not to uh, have got the full five points. But, uh, Pete, let me come to you. I mean, obviously, there was all the suggestions that the game was going to be off. There was this massive COVID outbreak at their training facilities. Everything was shut down. Uh, and then PRL um, had to uh, make that announcement that the company that do the testing had made one mahoosive mess up and uh, actually i think it was only a couple of positive cases wasn't it at the in the end at bath um but ha- how much do you think i know they talked about on the interview how how they thought it, it might affect things but do you think that's going to be an influencing factor in the result and tell me what your score prediction is going to be for this game well i mean i think it's more than just one thing that they're up against i think they you know they're losing to wasps the covid shambles international players missing i mean it's always amazing how many internationals bath have without ever winning anything isn't it it's incredible and uh, i th- and, and you know our is and then that's their kind of side of it then you look at us and everything that's positive about us i mean i it, i think i ju- i think I, I kind of said on the interview wasn't i that if uh, you know if they played well and ben spencer put us under pressure and they got a few breaks you know they might get within 20 points of us so I said 30-10, so I'm going to stick with that. You're going for 30 points to 10. And it's interesting, uh, after the Exeter game, there was a little bit of um, debate on um, what was what what is a runaway win, what is a thumping. And we did a little yeah. poll uh, online and... Um, uh, a, a score, a, a winning margin of ten points or more. Nine percent thought that was uh, a, a big win. Uh, a score of fifteen points or more, thirty percent. But forty-nine uh, percent of people thought it was a score of twenty plus, with another twelve percent saying twenty-five plus. So let's just go with the uh, the biggest number there. Uh, a runaway win is 20-plus points. Uh, that's what Pete's gone for. Lee, let me come to you. Do you see, see that big a margin of victory for the Bears? I'm assuming you're going for a Bears victory. I'm going, I'm going bigger. So I'm, going ban, I'm going ban bigger. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I seriously think that the boys are going to be Absolutely up for this, and I, I, like I've got a score of forty-one fifteen in my in my in my head. So, just to help you out here, because I could see you were struggling, I think what the word you were looking for was a romp. To um, that's, that's an absolute as a country <laughs> romp. Just it up, Rob. <laughs> So, thank you. I, I couldn't remember what I uh, what we what we put in the poll. So I uh, tell. I've just found it. Yeah, a romp. A, a romp. So <laughs> what constitutes a romp? So forty nine percent of you uh, say twenty plus points. Um, okay. So Lee, that was forty one fifteen. You said that's a proper romp. That's a romp. Uh, we will get our romping suits on um, if that happens. Miles, let me come to you. Um, how do you see this one going? Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to go for uh, not quite a romp, but I mean, I know they're without a few of their big boys in the pack: Cabano, Stuart, Underhill. But um, they still got some good lads. They still got Zach Mercer, who 
you know, played a blinder last season at Ashton Gate, didn't he? He's very good. But I'm going to go for a 35-17 win to the Bears. Right, so everyone's going pretty big. I, I'm, I am too. I, I think, uh, I think we will score early, and it will be quite comfortable. I'm going for a forty-two points to twenty-one victory. So uh, there we are. We're all pretty confident, and uh, you know, who would have thought four years ago we would be predicting twenty-plus wins against Bath in the Premiership. That just shows how far this club has come on. Well, we're nearly out of time, but we've got a few things we just want to uh, touch on before we say goodbye today. Uh, First of all... um, a new range of T-shirts, Miles, appeared in the club shop. Uh, you know, it was nice to see these, uh, something a little bit different. But um, once again, it felt that it was, you know, one step forward, maybe a couple of steps back. Your your views on the, the stock issue? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the range, to be fair, looked nice. And I have a feeling our, our good friend Lee here was fashioning one on a picture midweek, wasn't he? I was. And I think he was one of the the lucky few who got, got an ordering quickly before the the common stock issue hit us hit fans hard. I mean, even in lockdown, when people can't walk into that shop, uh, they can't even get their act together, Bristol Sport. Uh, and get enough T-shirts. Maybe they thought, rightly so, TC, we're in the middle of the winter. Who on earth will be wanting to buy a leisure T-shirt? How wrong were they again? And anything new and attractive looking, we just want to buy. And uh, a slight cock up again. And, you know, Lee might chat about a a personal experience as well. Well, as you alluded to, to their miles. Um, yeah, Andrew Cleaver, who's a huge supporter of the club, uh, Briz Vader, uh, was really disappointed because he got on really quick to order some T-shirts and uh, then for some reason had his order cancelled and refunded. Um, so once again, you know, applause for the club for, for getting this range of T-shirts together but why has it come so late and why has there been so little stock that has led to, uh, you know, disappointments again? Anyway, let's not uh, dwell too much on that because one of the other things which is much more positive uh, is something uh, for Pete. Uh, We're recording this on our normal slot on Sunday evening and last Sunday, there was a bit of a revelation in the Sunday Times. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Well, I was, uh, I, I'm quite lucky enough, actually. I've got a subscription to the Times through my school. Um, so I often, um, you know, browse it. And, and I thought, I'll look at the sport. Obviously, go to the sport first, as, as every full-blooded uh, man does. And uh, started reading a Stephen Jones column about Harry Randall, only to see myself quoted. Obviously, unfortunately, not me, not named. But uh, I'd, I'd written an article in the Evening Post the week before and described Harry Randall as a, as a pocket rocket blasting all over the park and, and a supercharged Duracell bunny with the skills of a Jedi. And uh, 
the, the, I mean, people have got different opinions on Stephen Jones, but he is a he is a he's a big shaker in the rugby writing world. And he said that um, I think he's quoted something said something like um, some people might say that the mixing of metaphors was a little bit too much, which of course I did. <laughs> and but he said no, it was perfect. So uh, I was I was very. I was kind of chuffed, you know, in a, in a pathetic uh, midlife way where I've got nothing much else going on in my life. It was quite nice to see that uh, my mixing of metaphors had made it to the uh, to the national press. And then, of course, he got picked for England straight after. So what can I say? Yeah, well, well, it came across very well. So well done, you. We're uh, out of time. That's it for this show. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our review of the Bath game and hopefully celebrating our sixth league win in a row. Until then, goodbye, stay safe and come on, Briz. Briz.